Episode 34 of Gaming and BS, sponsored by darktheater.net, home of the character Folio, and a podcast where neither host is from Windsor. All right, welcome to Gaming and BS. Where it's where we're podcasts and we talk about RPG and tabletop games and RPG and geeky stuff. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. Yeah, I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. All right. Woot woot. Hope everybody had a good week. Thanks for tuning in to Gaming and BS. Much appreciated as always. Thanks for sticking with us. If you haven't stuck with us and you just found us, great. Thanks for joining the ride. Absolutely. Uh so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay it out there. I am exhausted. I went camping with my three kids this last weekend. I left Friday after work, Saturday all day, and then came back. And uh, yeah, one, I'm not as young as I used to be. Learned that. Two, um, it's not like you went to a strip club. No, 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 no. <laughs> this was a lot more exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> Wrangling small children as they try to do things and like, oh, do this, do that. As I was telling Sean just before we kicked the uh, record button was uh, I actually had to utter the phrase, please, God, don't burn the whole forest down. So that was a, that was an actual thing that was said. So there, anyway, so in Wisconsin, we are thankful for not having a mass forest fire in northern Wisconsin <laughs> because of Brett and his uh, mature adult <laughs> Father, fatherly guidance. Yeah, and Sean said, "Well, you know, sometimes kids are stubborn." And I said, "Dude, these are my kids, so it's uh, it's that galactic payback that my mother threatened me with." Yeah, I fucking got that all over me now. So anyway, big trump cards of payback laid up on me this weekend. Wow, so. bam, wow, bam. Yeah. All right, I'm done bitching about that. <laughs> it was fun, but wow. All right, so I don't have any announcements. However, last week. Well, I was going to say, you went to Forge last, last week. week. Let's, I, let's shaft, I shafted the Forge. So now it's a week old, and hopefully I can recount some of my Forge experience. We did get hate mail from uh, a certain um, author from the Forge. That did was kind of angry. I mean, you, you, you played a game with him, and you completely missed Ron Edwards. I mean, he, 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 he you know, tweeted, tweeted us, you know, hey, Sean, babe, what's the deal, No, man? he did not. <laughs> I know he did not. <laughs> He did not. Yeah, I just did that for a look on Sean's face like, fuck, did I miss something? Jesus. That was funny. Okay, that was for, worth it. Anyway. Forge Midwest has been around for a few years now, and it's held here in, in beautiful, balmy Madison, Wisconsin. Um, Which is it, not Windsor. Not Windsor. Not to be mistaken for Windsor, Canada, where Mo Tsukno is from. Correct. Just throwing that out there. Just saying. Some other people from another podcast may mistaken us from somebody from Windsor, but we're not. Are you from Windsor, Brett? No, I am not. I neither, have you ever been to Windsor? I have not. Neither have I. I. Have we ever spoken about being in Windsor? No. No, I don't no, think. I, I don't think so. I re-listened to every episode we've ever played, all thirty-three of them, just to make sure. Never mentioned once. Mm-mm. And I said. Yeah. Strange. Anyway. Weird. Anyways, going on. Forge. Forge Forge. Midwest is, uh, so it was about two weeks ago now. Uh, Well, it would have been last week and yeah, I think it was last weekend. God, time flies. Uh, Very small con. Uh, I don't know how many people showed up this year. Probably, uh, I don't know, 50, 60, who knows, in between there. Um, It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And when you show up, they do have slots, so my sticky note thing was incorrect and not entirely accurate. So what happens is the, the a couple of people that put it on, they have a whiteboard in one of the conference rooms, and they write on the slots like, okay, slot at eight o'clock, or you know, I think they start at maybe eleven ish, eleven, and then four hours later, and then another four hours, and then what happens at the top of the hour, or top of that that slot is the people that are going to run games go to the front of the room while everybody it's a muster. So they get to the front of the room and they pitch their game and they go, Hey, I'm going to run some dungeon world. I could take five players and I'll be my, my table will be right over there or in that room. And whoever's in, let me know. And, and some people will say, Oh, count me in, you know, and they'll, they'll yell out just right there. And then the next person will be like, okay, I'm running this, um, I'm, I'm this game and, uh, Pentra, um, so it's de- it's declare on site and first come first serve. Yeah, 
Cool. And, and they have a, a gate they have a table of board games and then they do do ad hoc. So if you want to run something and you're just like, Hey, I want to run this, can you you guys interested? And you can just sit down. Um all indie stuff usually. I mean, of, I, that, that's the flavor. Well, when you said Dungeon World, I know Dungeon World is a kind of perhaps crosses the line between indie and mainstream, whatever the fuck that line is. It, but. it is very heavy storytelling based con. A lot of games you will never hear of. A lot of them may even in, be in development to the point of you will never hear them until later. Um, Pentra was one that I had played. Uh, Sabe is a guy here in Madison that I know. Um, who I actually, the last time I played there, he was running one of his games, um, Bleeding Heart. So I know I, I brought it up at the con. He's like, you mean this? And I'm like, oops, I got the name wrong. But anyways, uh, I happen to be walking through and Ron and Brendan and Sabre were at a table and I was just walking by and they're like, hey, Sean, come on. And I'm like, are you guys recruiting? And they're like, yeah, I have seats. So Pentra is Sabe's game. And I don't want to go into a ton of detail. He's... um kind of hashing it out and we played that for i don't know if it was even two hours long is is relatively short story-based game um ron played ron edwards and if you're not familiar with ron he has a few titles under his belt ran the forge.org or what website domain it was in the day i think sorcerer sorcerer is his sorcerer, big yeah spione spione we mentioned that last one um and so Ron gave – Ron is a really good guy. He's – so, okay, go back to your question. No, it's not always storytelling games because Ron ran Holmes Edition, straight Holmes oh, Edition. Nice. By the book. Oh, cool. And has a picture up on G Plus of, of him doing that. And he told me – and I'm like, I'm never going to be able to make that game. Otherwise, I would I would dive in for sure. Um. Uh, but yeah, you're not going to go there and see too many 5e games. Um, there was Frame, what is it? Uh, the Frame figure game, the Lego I game. Don't know. I, I don't had know. it on. I had it on Google Plus. Um, Sorry, I missed it. Dang it! So how how did the con, how did the con itself run? I mean, when you get there, if it's you know whiteboards pitching and people saying, "Oh, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in," does it feel clunky? Like you can't get in what you want? Does well, it? Are there, a, are there a lot of vendors? Is it just kind no of no vendors? No vendors. No vendors. Okay, not, not that type of con. Cool. There, there's a okay. co- there's like two conference rooms connected tables, kind of throughout. Um, even a table with like goodies on it, like people will buy cookies and throw it up there. They'll buy whatever and they'll throw it up there. And then they've got a name badge like place where it's just kind of name badges everywhere and you just grab a marker and throw it on yourself. Okay. Board game table. You can just pick up a board game and then they have a couple rooms, I think around the corner for either a little bit intimate setting. Um, and as well as some LARPs had been played over there. So a couple of people were like, hey, I'm going to run a LARP. This is kind of the backdrop. Um, I'm going to need five players, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then they go off and do that. Um, so that's the forge. Ron um, was interesting because I, I, I had never talked to Ron in any detail. And I know he's a pretty big force in the storytelling um, forge movement I hate saying a lot of that stuff because some people are like, I may not be representing that space very well, but regardless. Well, his name is well known. I mean, it's yeah. like saying, you know, you know, Cookie, when we talk about Monty Cook, I mean, he's, he's a well known dude. Whether you like Numenera, whether you like anything else he's done, Monty's name is out there. You know who he is. Ron Edwards' name is connected to that space. And, you know, when he speaks, it's um he's got a, he's got enough credit behind his voice so that his voice does mean something to a lot of folks. Yeah, and he's really nice. Um, you know, and he, if you're playing with him, he's going to, he will involve you. Like he will pick up on some very big social cues. For example, when we were playing Sabe's game, one of the players, Brendan, asked Sabe, "Hey, could we? Can we do this?" And Sabe's like, "Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you can do that." And then Ron's like, "Nope, we well, shouldn't, right? Because you're, you're, you hesitated. Uh, just say no." And he's like, "Okay, well, no." Oh, okay. Let's, I mean, kind of cut to the chase. And so, um, in, and I talked a little bit about Ron. So I'm like, Ron, what are you doing nowadays? And I think he's retiring out of academia, which I didn't know he was into, um, as his full-time career, I think. And, um, he was talking about a site that he was doing that's big on comics. And I mentioned this in last week's podcast, um, and how it relates to politics because it's kind of faded away from the political scene, but a lot of the origins of a lot of comics and characters had developed, from the political scene of the 60s and 70s. 
So he's a really interesting guy. Um, and that was it. The Forge. Uh, I, I only I was only there for like four hours. I played Race for the Galaxy card game and got into that. First time I'd ever played that. And then I played in Pentra for Sabe's game. And then I think I, I think that was it. And then Clyde Roar, some people that may listen to the show, Theory from the Closet, Clyde was there. Uh, and there's see the thing is with one thing I liked about showing up was I didn't realize it of who I would I knew like there would be like two or three people I I know and see there I ran into more so troll who probably doesn't listen to the podcast was there he was a roommate of mine in 2011 when I went to Gen Con I literally went to Gen Con didn't know anybody that was in my room and I the room I mean it it's funny because I'm like oh I know him I know him and we were all connected to these people a bunch of podcasters at the time. Um, and then the walking eye, Kevin, uh, wise, Weisner, Weisner. Yeah. Kevin was there from Iowa. So him and troll were from the walking eye podcast. If you cool. ever listen to those guys, they are long, long running. They've got probably 300 shows. Um, they are, hang- they've hung it up, I guess, uh, because they're, they're pursuing, you know, they're kind of done and finished in their school that they're finishing up. But, um, and then uh, Detman, who I mentioned before. So a lot of the guys, I'm like, wow, it's really good to see you guys. I'm glad you guys came up, and it's been a long time. Well, it's kind of, it sounds like that it's organized chaos in a way is yeah. what it strikes me as, and as such, it allows you to have that. Oh, I'll do this thing, or you can kind of. It, I guess the beauty of the smaller convention is the rules are there, the the uh, the framework is there, and you can operate within it pretty freely. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. You, don't have to, you don't have a lot of vendors per se. If that's what you go to con for, not your thing. Or it's not going to be there for you, but there's a lot of gaming and a lot of cool stuff and probably some shit you'll never see anywhere else. It would be really cool, and I'm just thinking outside my, my head here, it would be really cool if those guys, because this is very, I mean, you will not get a lot of those folks at your typical con. They just, they don't go. And if they do go, like to say Gen Con, they're going to be in the games on demand area, no question. But it would be kind of interesting if, if Game Hole gave them their own kind of little area and they just not merged, but Hey, if you want to go to the forge, they Midwest, it's kind of like the games on demand version of Gen Con and throw it in the game hole slot. Now I don't think that's going to happen, but um, even Alex asked me, Oh, it's still going. You'll have to let me know how it went. So I haven't debriefed him yet. Um, and he's the director of game hole, but nonetheless, neat. Yeah. So that's that. I don't want to go into too many more details because it wasn't really, I didn't spend a whole lot of time there. I think Saturday, well, I think what this means hours. is that this year, Sean and my schedules, we kind of went, holy shit, forges on us. And I had stuff going. Sean only, as he said, only had four hours to, to sneak over there. So next year, dedicated time, we will go and check it out. Gonna have to do it. All right. Let's get into random encounter. All right, Random Encounters, where we address emails, voicemails, and comments from our website, social media, from you, the listener. All right. So you what do we all? got Are you going to read them all, Brett? I'll, I'll check out at least the first one. We'll go back and forth here. So let's see here. Serenity10101 um, gave us a really nice iTunes review. Thank you very much. I don't know. Where Serenity, if you're listening to this, I don't know where you're located. If you're in the U.S. or not, it'd be kind of cool to see where you're from. That would be great. Divulge your true identity, Serenity. Where are you? Serenity 1010 Yes. And speaking of uh, places, you know, kind of where we get feedback and so forth, um, Taylor hit us up and said, Hey, guys, I stumbled on an episode of your show on YouTube while searching for videos about homebrew setting. He absolutely loved our episode on it. Now we just need to start from the bottom and work his way up. As we've always recommended, start with episode one and plow on through. See, you probably have forgotten what we did in ep- like two, ep- three, four episodes ago. So start <laughs> at one. I did. Yeah, right. Same here. So start at one and hey, hit Keep it again. Listening. Right. <laughs> so Taylor says, looking forward to hearing more. Keep up the good work. So thank you. Yep, we are on YouTube. It's not a video. It's just the uh, it's this show out there. Some people... um. Can't get to if they want to listen to it in different formats, wherever the case is. YouTube's just another way that we are in your in your uh, media face, if you will. Brainchild of Sean. I'm like, yeah, yeah we'll put it up on you. I like, I know I, there's a way you can put it up. The there fact that we got, we finally got one listener after 30 some episodes proves that Sean is a man before his time. But they well done. F- they found it. They found they it through a search on YouTube, which at one point in time, and I still think it is the number two search engine in the world. I wouldn't doubt it. It was, and I don't. I think it still is, but 
nonetheless. Cool. Yeah. All right. Next one's yours. It looks like our Canadian gaming god affiliate said something. What, what does he got for us? Motusano. 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 He comments on Google Plus regarding episode 32. Where he says, finally catching up on some podcasts, just finished uh, episode 32, good as always. As for why I haven't played that one, so the episode 32 is based on the what, what game are you, do you not have that playing. you're not playing, right? He says, as for why I haven't played that one, or should that be 100 RPGs in my collection, it comes down to only one thing. Time. Time is not on Mo's side. <laughs> I think that's kind of what we at the tail end of the last one. That was kind of where I landed. Was it? Was, I have a lot of different cool things on the shelf. So does Sean, and it's the the time. What you know? It just I need to retire now. <laughs> yeah. In a little commune with gamers, just so I can get through all the crap that I've got. Either mine or other people's. I currently have one RPG group. We meet every Monday. If everyone is there, we play Warhammer Third Edition. If someone can't make it, we play board games. Think it's been, I think it's been, I think, six months since we've played, maybe longer. We never have a full group. It's gotten so bad that we started a campaign of Imperial Assault with the four players who usually do usually make it. We are having a great time playing that, so it's not like we're going, oh my God, that's me, not Mo. So it's not like we aren't gaming or haven't aren't having fun, but it would be nice to play some RPGs again. Time is the thing that has me playing way more board games than any RPGs. I can get a group together to play a board game pretty much any night of the week. There's no prep time and there's no commitment. I just put a shout out, looking for X players for Y game, and I'll get them. Pretty much anyone can commit to a couple hours here and there. The problem is finding someone who can show up week after week or even month after month for a regular game. No question, not a surprise. No, regular attendance is the killer. And that's one of the things that I'm very fortunate where I said before with a large group, you know, a total of 11 possible players, even if I skinny it down to only eight, you know, there's still a core group of about four to six that always make it or excuse me, 90% of the time always make it. It's tough because especially now that we're not in high school, you know, where I don't have a, you know, I, I didn't necessarily have a job all the time or I've got you know, you, you get together with your buddy and you start gaming Friday after school and you quit Sunday before you have to go to bed for school on Monday. You know, we just can't do that now. Stupid job and other commitments and shit. Yeah. Cool. All right. You got to read the next one. It's long. All right. This one is from a comment on G plus regarding episode 32 as well from Aaron Sugg. Sorry, this is a long comment, but I'll get through it. We'll get through it together, Aaron. Listening to your espionage episode. Oh, it's the espionage episode. That's right. Uh, Brett mentioned not being sure if he'd intentionally played espionage. It reminded me of a campaign I ran for my group during the final place test pack of D&D Next. Okay. Uh, We were playing in a custom setting that on the surface appeared to be a very typical fantasy setting. I was also trying to be very sandboxy. So I used the character's individual motivations to craft the beginning of the story, combining them with a few absolutes that I knew about my setting. It started with a young wizard stumbling across a mysterious addition to a book he was researching. It spoke cryptically of a golden relic of forbidden knowledge. The book was unable to be lent to him from his temple slash school's library due to clerical error. And when God, re- that's a hor- I hope that's not a pun because that's funny. Sorry, keep going. And when he returned to find the book, he found it was no longer in the library. Dun dun dun. Professor Plum in the library. In the library with, with the lead pipe. Yeah. Or kind with of- the golden book, whichever it was. Yeah. Golden relic. Oh, there we go. I'll spare you the fine details, but the players found themselves unknowingly, unknowingly thrown into an espionage tale. They were on the tail of a rival group of elite guards from the Central Kingdom powerful government syndicate, engaged with dangerous free agents that stood in their way, rival super spies, including a vampire informant who was forced to kill and turn the group's paladin. Stole powerful- Love it when good paladins go bad. Some of my favorite stuff. Stole powerful information from Kingdom Guards, con slash heist, were caught and forced to pull a jailbreak and sneak out of town by making underground contacts, and finally, one of their rivals came to their aid, slash double agent. In the end, the location of the golden relic was close at hand. 
in the underground lair of a powerful, benevolent flump and his worshipping cult. They stood guard over the relic for centuries, and the flump revealed the strange gold disc and projected its information into the PC's minds. I walked over to my computer and hit on hit play on iTunes. Greetings from the people of Earth. And the Voyager re- record played on. Campaign over. Nice. The reason I love this is it says benevolent, a powerful and benevolent flump. The fact that there is a flump with a cult that worshipped it. I just love that. Uh, <laughs> that just that kills me. But that was what Aaron's saying there is I think. <clears throat> anyway, that, that's where I was getting at is many times you'll be going into something that's kind of sandboxy. And next thing you know, you end up in this espionage cloak and dagger type of environment where you're up against a, a band of rival NPCs. You're trying to sneak into something. You're getting caught clandestine in, clandestine plans and, and all that stuff is going on. I think um, I've not sat down and said, we're going to play a spy game. Boom. As I talked about last time, but damn it, espionage, it, it plays a role. It, it comes in there all the time because I think if nothing else, it's fun. It's fun to go up against the unknown and sneak into stuff and, and do the whole double dealing and all that crap. So yeah. pretty cool. It's fun. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah, thanks for writing in, Aaron. Much appreciated. Absolutely. Right, let's go into a word for our sponsor quick. Michael Aldhauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop custom colors, you name it, he can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order at the website grayedout, that's G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. All right, that leads us into the main topic of discussion. Yay. All right, so Brad Hazard um, in emails that we get said, hey guys, how do you, or should, sorry, hey fellas, <clears throat> how do you handle time in your games? Seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, etc. How does your PCs age? How do your PCs age? Most D&D games assume PCs are young, early to mid-20s, but by the end of an adventure campaign at 20th level, um, they're ready to retire from life on the edge. How about when they only have so long to accomplish a task or prevent something from corrupting their world? How about effects like spells and rest, etc.? This can get monotonous and tedious when determining spell timing, just like encumbrance. Players get offended real fast when you get so close to control of their character. Travel is 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 yeah, start over. Travel is really an enormous time evolved process back in the day. Traveling more than twenty miles a day on a week's journey is not huge, not to mention life changing. It is. It is huge. Oh, it's huge. huge. My apologies. It is huge. Not to mention life changing. A five hundred plus mile journey would not even be considered by most, let alone on an uncharted, untraveled, unguided maps through swamps and backcountry. Unless you're. Uh, you know, trying to go all the way across the U.S. <laughs> How do you decide when time really matters without being inconsistent to the rules or true to life? Time is so important, but rarely used to enhance the feel of a game outside of anticipation, hesitation, and revelation. So, Brad, thank you much, dude. Um, this is one of those pieces that it's kind of... Um, our buddy uh, Phil Vecchion over at Misdirected Mark had talked about encumbrance, um, one of his uh, Gnome Stew articles, and I think they chatted about it a bit in one of their uh, podcast episodes as well, he and Chris. But time is one of those things that I've struggled with as well. Now, so just a quick piece. One of the things I did when I made uh, my, my my favorite fantasy setting that I've got right now, my World of Avalon, which I've mentioned many times, I built a calendar for it. And I pick a day on the calendar, and I say, you're starting on – the th- first day in the month of the lion, this, da, 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 whatever the case is. So I pick it out and I say, hey, here's where it is. And every time I write up the notes for um, for that last adventure session, I keep track somewhere on a, on a notepad saying, oh, you slept one day, you slept two days, you went blah, blah, blah. I just hash it out and say, oh, the, a week worth of travel went by. And then I track it and say, hey, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five in my notes. And the other thing I'll do is I will hint at the fact that at the end of every X number of month is a feast day. It's a holiday. Say, hey, this is coming or that's coming or um, it's starting to snow. I use it as a way to change the the temperature, um, the climate, and so forth. And, oh, hey, seasonal shift is coming up because it's this time of the year. That means um, the city behaves differently. The outlands are different and so forth. So 
However, I've not taken it as far as when is your birthday? Oh, hey, guess what? Um, you're now 50 years old. Are you really, really want to do this or, or whatever the case is? But I've used it more to enhance the feeling by having the environment the PCs are in change as the year goes on. So as the year goes on, as I said, I change the environmental conditions from rain to snow or wherever you happen to be, temperature up and down, precipitation, and as a city or a landscape or any kind of town, wherever it is, gets ready for a holiday, then things change. So that's that's how I've used it. However, I'm sure there are other or better ways to do it. Sean, do you use time at all or do you just uh, hand wave all that shit? What do you do? Nice. You just hand wave it. You're like, whatever. You're 20 forever. I uh, I want to use time, but I don't use time consistently all the time. Is it because <laughs> it takes time to track time? It does take time to track time. And sometimes, sometimes. Time, oh, by the way, time. If you hear the word time, take a drink. That's right. There you go. I, um, I think it's important. I don't play it up because I think a lot of my games don't time is kind of a factor, but it's not it, uh, how do I put it? So uh for example, Lost Mine of Fandalver, they're going to they're rescuing somebody or s- supposed to be searching for somebody that's lost. And we go through sessions, but the time in the session doesn't lapse long in the game. So a four-hour session, we're maybe we're maybe covering a day, and it's usually or during ten hours of or ten yeah. hours of that day, right? And I have it in my mind, kind of how I'm tracking things, like oh, you guys have been in town for about a week, right? So that they know they have kind of that reference point, but you know, there's not a bomb ticking where it's like, hey, you you know, you know, zero hour is in six hours. I think one of the pieces that I think where Brad is getting to here, maybe this is I'm reading a bit into it, but the one piece he's talking about, kind of that that second chunk there is PCs are young, early to mid-20s. It's kind of that forever 20-year-old or forever unkillable 20 to 30-something where you still have this huge adrenaline kick and you're indestructible because you've not lived long enough to have enough close calls. But what I'm finding is that with my gamers – Recently, <laughs> Alpha's famous for this. He'll make a dude who's like, I, my guy uh, Joseph was a, a druid, or excuse me, a cleric of in my Avalon setting. That dude was like sixty-five. He purposely made him really old, and took the hits. You know, looked up the system, took the hits on the stats, and so on and so forth, because he really wanted to play a guy who was kind of past his prime, really, really wise, understood a bunch of stuff, but um, wasn't the young spry dude, and was able to kind of. You know, act like the grandfather slash father to the rest of the players and goddamn kids, you know, and be able to do that type of thing. But we don't <clears throat> often do the, hey, when's your character's birthday type of thing. However, Lenny right now in the um, in the teenage game he's running where we're all playing teenagers in this in this setting, this World of Darkness setting, age does matter. And it's pretty important. We're in the, a certain phase of high school. So we're going through different components of it. And as the characters, as the year progresses, it matters. You know, when a birthday might be or when Christmas is and those types of things. My character's waiting to get out of school because after he's 18, he can finally do whatever the hell he wants. And some of the other guys are figuring out where they're going to go to college and all this other stuff. And it, it, it's a real presence. At least it feels like it to me. <laughs> Dude, I just, have to, <clears throat> I just have to make a comment. Yeah, go ahead. Go a, bunch of, a bunch of middle-aged guys playing a role-playing game. That takes them, back to, work, kids. <laughs> takes them back to high school. <laughs> It's like it's, a, it's actually kind of challenging because I'm looking back. I'm looking back and I'm going, what "The hell would I do if I was 18? Like, why? It's how, I need to do something stupid because that's what that's what 18 year olds are. They're stupid. Trying to no, re- they're not. I'm gonna. Hey, how can I relive my youth? I got it. I'll run a role playing game <laughs> with all my buddies from high school. Well, and it's, make like, them- it's like playing. It's like Monster Hearts or some of those games too. Yeah, they're, yeah. It, it's fun. It's it's a good setting, but. I think tracking time as far as, hey, it takes me a week to get from point A to point B or two years have passed. You're tracking experience points. Boy, we've been adventuring for X number of years in Avalon. But you look at it until somebody says, hey, Sean, you know that sorcerer in Brett's world? Yeah, he's 20 years older than when he when he started. You look at it, you go, 
fuck, he should be dead. Or, oh my God, I, I should have lost. Because there's rules behind it, right? If we're going to utilize that component of it, like, oh, you're actually in your 50s now, and therefore your stats should have dropped by action. Uh, that that, that never happens. No, I've never, never I've never had a player character age and then go, oh shit, I got to minus my strength by one and add my wisdom by one. I've never had that happen. In like all the years that I've ever gamed, I've never had those age things come into play. The only, like I said, Alpha does it, but he does it on purpose when he's made his character. When he made Joseph, he purposely went through and said, hey, we played Pathfinder when he made Joseph. And he said, oh, he's... 65, therefore, tick, 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 ding, 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 and he changed his stats accordingly. I don't I don't even think I've done that for my current character, and he's 60, 60 or 65. And he started out at first level. That's what kills me. It's like a 60-year-old <laughs> first level guy. What the hell has he been doing for 60 years? I've been trying real hard. They didn't implement the <laughs> D&D level system until he was 59. God damn it. They didn't grandfather me because I wasn't a real grandfather yet. Uh, I, I don't, time is, to me, the reason I think time has never really played a role, whether it be with PCs or just adventuring, and it's been on, because it's been on such a micro scale. So when you play the game, the amount of sessions that goes by in real time is more than in the game. Because there's no, I, there's no gap. I, I mean, I don't, I don't play gaps. Like, um, Doc is doing a really good job with this. Uh, my buddy. Um, so he's, he's the one that's a better game master than you, right? Is that the, is that the one? He probably he, everybody's <laughs> a, everybody's a better game master than I am. Don't I'm just, don't I'm shoot just the bar you. too just, high. I just punch his off. You can step over that bar. That one's right down by your ankles. Shit, man. <laughs> no, but you were telling me, anyway. You were saying that before the other day that sh- that he's doing the hey, what are you doing in between? Or you he two does, weeks later? He does downtime. Downtime, yep. So he just hands out downtime. So if you're not familiar with downtime, it's actually in 5e. It's a mechanic that you can use, and it allows you to do certain things. So you can do crafting, researching, recuperating, training. And in our game, he says if you if you obtain so much downtime, you can trade it in for different things. So you can earn a spe- another skill. You can. So am I? I'm going to bag on Doc for a second because he's not here to defend himself. You've played with him for a number of years now. Is yeah. this the first time he's implemented downtime? And do you believe he's doing it because there's a mechanic for it? it it's um, well, Pathfinder doesn't have downtime that I'm aware of. I don't think not that I'm aware of either. So that's what I'm saying is yeah. I've I use I use downtime <clears throat> partly because for us it was kind of a necessity to keep the game going. When you meet once a month with my group. People are like I want to accomplish this thing and right on the cusp of it. Could I do that before the next session? I'd be yeah. Let's here. Everyone's got two weeks. Tell me what you try to accomplish within two weeks. I get emails or a Google Plus posts and we bam, 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 respond back and forth and kind of sort that out. But um, I'm just curious if Doc was doing it, quote unquote, new or fresh because there's a mechanic and he's never done it before. Yes. At least to your knowledge. Yeah. Yes is the answer. Okay. Yeah. I, and I'm not saying I'm not saying having a mechanic for it is bad. I'm saying that not necessary. Is where I'm coming from. Yeah, Brett, you're well advanced. We know that. You're, you're way ahead of your time. Damn right I am. I uh, Well, and a lot of the things that I run aren't, there is no gap. I mean, with the way Doc runs it, and it sounds like you do too, is you you run something in a day, and then at the end, it stops, and you're finished there with that segment, episode, scene, whatever that is, chapter. Yeah, and if yours is, con- if yours is a constant... Motion, we're basically, yeah, okay. It's kind of. I mean, my guys you, are in town and they're fucking around and they. You're pausing, you're pausing the movie or the yeah. TV show. In, it's like a commercial break, not really a day break. Right. Really. Right. I mean, it doesn't stop. Yeah. We haven't gotten, so, we haven't gotten to the point where they've solved or, or accomplished a huge major plot point um, and not. And have uh, to the point where, like, okay, we're just going to stop and relax. It's it's still kind of like okay they do this and they accomplish it, but they haven't gone they haven't achieved what they needed to. Like there's always something in the back that's having to drive them forward again. Okay, I think musing on this um, in between telling my children not to start the forest on fire, um, <clears throat> I started thinking about hey, how the hell do, would I actually get players to give a shit as to how old their character is, other than you know Alpha starting at at sixty five or whatever obscene or somebody starting out really young. Zave made a guy who was like 15 and he was the 
kick asses. I mean, his 15-year-old Druid, I think, had murdered more people than the fighter had. <laughs> At a certain point, he was like the sociopath, psychotic bastard. Well, I told you about the the uh, summoner I wanted to make. I wanted to make yeah, a 12 or 13-year-old summoner because he he just summoned little creatures when he was growing up, and he just thought that's him and his imagination. And that would be cool. So now he's summoning. Accidentally like, slaughtered kobolds. Ooh, yeah. And now he's summoning like elementals. And yeah. So my thought of how to get my players and I to really appreciate time's impact on the characters. Um, my way of going about it is where I was started this thing off with is using, <clears throat> I use a calendar and I keep track of where they're at. If I was going. Even if I was going day to day, I would try to say, okay, you're about halfway through. It's going to be nighttime. And then I try to invoke that. And then I have the the setting the setting changes. Basically, if the world shifts, regardless of what you're doing, it's alive, right? If I've got to – the sun's going to come up. It's going to rain. It's going to snow. There's an earthquake. Um, it's uh, – what do I want to say? It, it's the season for the crops to come in, the – People are taking cattle here. It's time for they're slaughtering the hogs this week or whatever the case is, is that's happening in the world to make it alive. It's the rest of all the farmers, everybody who lives by that world keeps ticking. Even in a modern setting, time matters. <clears throat> End of the year, big things occur. There's big sales. Taxes. The, uh, End of taxes. quarter. Exactly. Taxes show up. End, End of, of quarter. <laughs> so I've had, I've had players over the years, you know, I want to infiltrate this bank what time of year is it? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Well, if it's end of quarter, they're really busy. If it's tax season, da 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 da. So they would try to sort that out. Hey, your character is, doesn't know that shit. Shut up. <laughs> but part of part of that is is that if you keeping if you keep the world on a clock, if you keep the world moving at least day by day, season by season, during the seasonal changes, again in a fantasy type setting, regardless of what the system is, the characters will the players will start to notice and wonder what that does to their character. This is like the fifth winter we've had, Brett. What is oh shit, I should be five years older. I wonder what I wonder what I would do with my birthday. Even if I don't use the rule or the mechanic to enforce the aging aspect of it, it's there. And there's a level of finality and a level of something that does come with it if you're if you're paying attention to it. If nothing else, just keeping the environment changing. So that way if I'm playing Sean's Lost Minds of Fandelver, and at some point he tells me that it's getting bitterly cold Everything's changed. Like, didn't we start this in summer? Holy shit, we've been here a long time. Now, granted, you're not doing it that way. I'm going to kill the party before it gets to that point. <laughs> before it gets to that point, because I don't like winter. Um, but you know what I'm saying, is that if the, the seasons keep shifting and the world around you adjusts, adapts, and acts accordingly, um, the players are going to notice time. And if you say, hey, you know, I want to take this 500-plus mile journey, as Brad was saying, and you're like, look, we're going to do this thing. And all the NPCs who you talk to about it look at you like you're insane. They're, the NPCs go, are you crazy? I mean, oh, my God, 500 miles, you will never see you again. This not, is insane. Nobody does this. Not if you're in Eberron. Then you just get on an airship and truck 500 <laughs> miles. True enough. Or, you know, or in a modern setting. Or the electric or, rail or whatever they get in there. Exactly. Yeah. Or a modern setting, right? Or you modern, yeah. Yeah. Get on an But even in a modern setting, if you're like, look, I'm going to walk from this end of the Amazon to the other end. There's still people that do crazy things over land. Um, long way around, you know, the boys that took the beamers all the way across the globe, circumvent the globe. That's freaking insane. It took a really long time. People weren't even sure if they would make it or if they come back in one piece. Um, then they did the long way down. Holy crap. They did that. It's still a really big thing, even in modern times. So if you keep the seasons moving, you keep it happening. And if the NPCs are reacting to what you want to do and not just going, Oh, your uh, your wizard and these rogues and some fighters and a cleric are gonna traipse all the way across the mountains, which are two hundred miles away, and find some lost mine. Are you fucking kidding me? That's insane. If people react to you like that, the gravity of the situation will start to settle in, and uh, kind of cool epic. Holy shit, we're gonna do this really cool thing that nobody else has ever done. Can also come into play. You know, I think if you're traveling five hundred miles and nothing happens to you within that five hundred miles, and it's a typical medieval fantasy game i don't know man i don't i don't that's a problem that's a problem i don't know so i think that's got to be kind of wiped off a little bit because the problem i have and i'm going to beat this dead horse this whole episode is that i don't run a game my game in my games in game don't span 30 years they just don't because if they spanned 30 years in game they'd span 130 out of game 
That's the problem I'm having. And it's not well, good. If you, did down, if you did downtime like Doc did, where you said, look, we adventured and you completed this adventure. Your characters are going to come back next year and yeah. you're going to start over. And in that year's time, you went from point A to point B across the kingdom. And you're now in somewhere else and you're doing this other thing. Oh, by the way, along the way, you learned here's a handout of all this crap you've learned along the way. And here's a random encounter you, you, you ran into and so-and-so almost died or something. There's prep work and shit involved in that. You can do it. But if yours is like, look, I'm going in a – you're running more of a what I would consider almost an old school module type of thing. I'm going to this dungeon and I'm going to be in it. Yeah. You know, if you go to the Tomb of Horrors, I'm in there until I get beaten to, beaten to a pulp and that, killed because that's, that's what a, happens there. That's a very good point, Brett. If you were running a dungeon crawl – and it was the world's largest dungeon. And if you haven't seen that thing, it's about, I don't know, 500 pages thick. Well, even Undermountain, which is fucking gigantic, too. And that makes Undermountain look like a walk in a park. Yeah, that may take you in-game, you know, I don't know how many years. And then, or out of game, how many years. And then in-game, it's just one room after the other. I mean, how how far can your party get in a four-hour game? I don't know. But I, I agree. I have to get to a point um, with the game where it's like, um, and there's few games that I can make that happen even in the past. And I just never really figured it played into anything because, you know, when I ran Star Wars uh, role-playing game, it was always in three sets of three, right? That's the series. And then you would start up another three. So in between, I could have probably, you know, bumped up things and, you know, said five five years passed. But I don't know if it really mattered at the time, actually. I never had any people like... Hey, how long has it been since our last, you know, last kind of tirade or whatever? Um, but I think I, even if even if the players don't want it, though, you can you can make it a thing. Well, I'm a bad <laughs> G, I'm a bad GM, so I don't well, know. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to help you get better, man. Oh, I'm just okay. trying to help. I'm doing my best here. Yeah, a little send, intervention. Send me, then, send me notes, man. I don't even <laughs> take notes. Some... <laughs> I'm gonna forget. You know what I'm saying? So honestly, though, I mean, what you're doing isn't wrong by any stretch. But if you and your players like, look, we don't we don't care about downtime. It doesn't matter. We want to take a bunch of 20-year-olds and go from point A to point B to point C, and that's fine. Yeah. Cool. Go rock and roll. If you're at a point, though, where you're like, look, we're going to run this cool campaign. It's kind of epic-y, and I want to start as a young hobbit, and I want to work my way to the end where I'm an old man, and I pass it off to my nephew. Hey, you can do that, too. It's going to take a little bit of work, and as I say, <clears throat> if it's a modern setting, a fantasy setting, a sci-fi setting, whatever it is, I mean, even when I ran my uh, uh, my sci-fi game, Murder City, for the group, one of the things it was it, there was space travel and stuff, and they asked me specifically what time of what type of faster than light drive do you? How long does it take to get from point A to point B? How fast can this go? Because it mattered to them. Well, because if, if they you, were ever going to get off planet. Well, if you do and you travel through space and it takes you one year to go somewhere, and then you come back to your same uh, point of origin, how many years have passed? Exactly, because that's and they, that's they relativity, were man. They knew – nice. Well, it's true. Like They could go it's, a year and then you come back and then like everybody's 20 years older. They knew, though, that they weren't going to leave the planet. However, they also knew they would be dealing with alien life forms. And they wanted to understand what it took just from a background background perspective so they understood how all the inner workings were, right? So I still believe that you don't have to be hardcore crazy like when's your birthday? Hey, ting – you're now 50, magically look up the rule that says you've lost five on your strength and you've gone two in wisdom and your intelligence is up by you know whatever that is. You don't need to do that. I think, though, if you make the setting have time, right? So even if you were to change the weather from day to day uh, because they're outside in Fandolin in, uh, or wherever the hell they are right now, if you change the weather from day to day, there's a sense of, oh, something's going on, something's, something's adjusting. If the characters say, hey, look, I'm going to go – Start this end of the Amazon, and my band of elite commando warriors are going to walk all the way down here until we find the hidden Nazi encampment that we think is somewhere on this one bend in the river. You start <laughs> talking to the locals, and they're like, so wait, wait, you're going to fucking walk the Amazon for approximately 100 miles? Are you insane? What's wrong with you? You know, that this is crazy. You've got all this gear. How are you going to do that? Even if the character's like, oh, God damn it, we're going to fucking commando is going to go kill the crazy Nazis because we're going to go do this thing. But the world is reacting to you with reality and, or some ver variation of reality saying, look, that's a big time sink. It's really dangerous. A whole bunch of shit could happen to you within those hundred miles. Are you even prepared for that? And that's a way that you as a game master then can influence the players to 
perhaps either take a different course of action or prepare better for that for that long sojourn or slog through the marshes that's in front of them. Hey, Brad had a question that says, how do you decide when time really matters without being inconsistent to the rules or true to life? <sighs> yep, that's where and, we're going now. And it's very easy. No, that's what, not. It's no, not, it's not. Easy. <laughs> I, don't I don't have an answer for you, Brad. I, no, I think, honestly, I think part of it is I as the game, and this is interesting, and this perhaps goes to, we've, we've touched on this a bit more. Maybe Sean and I just need to play more indie games that don't have the defined game master perspective. If you're talking about a game master and a group of players, oftentimes the players will react, in my experience, to what the game master's laid out. Like I said, in Lenny's game, where we're high schoolers, it the way he's dealing with time matters because he's making it a thing that we give a shit about. The way Sean is running Minds of Fendelver, time is not a big deal because it's not a thing that Sean gives a shit about. Well, at least not not in the same way. Yeah, it's it does matter. You're, you're attacking it from your way. He's attacking from his way. Mine, I, as a player, am going to sync up with you. Mine matters. They just haven't done anything that's taken any extensive amount of time. True. They're, okay. They're, they're doing the dungeon crawl, man. They're going okay. room. To, they're going room to room. I haven't had a chance where it's like, okay, you're done, or they say, hey, we're going to sit around for a week and not do anything. It's wake up the next day, do something. Wake up. They're work days, man. Okay. Yeah, that's what's going on in that space. Now, but once they're they react, that they're reacting to it because that's what they're doing. You haven't changed it on them. Saying, okay, you guys have spent the last three days looking through rooms and doing this. You found nothing. What do you want to do now? Well, you that, haven't blown through chunks. That's a good point, but I don't know. Chunks, am I saying? Yeah, blowing chunks. <laughs> something like that. Well, and that's the thing is I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with just saying, hey, you guys have been in town for a week doing nothing. Because they would say, well, that's not true. I would have, I would do something. And plus it's very, this one's more sandboxy, questy type. So they've always got something to do. But I think at one point, if they were to get to a certain uh, juncture, shall we say, then I would, then I could say, hey, you, you wrapped it up or you've discovered this. You know, and scene like, or they wrap up a plot point and then that would be it. And I would say, you're done for a year or two years or whatever. Like, you okay. don't, you know what I'm saying? You're done with a module. Things, your time goes by. You come well, together it's six months Where I was later. going with it, though, is that the game master is the one who sets the importance and detail level for time tracking. Now, yeah. at least, at least in some, in some regard, because you're reacting to what I think is, is important. I have had, Players that have um, said, wow, this is the fourth winter or this is this thing and I think I need to get home. Why? It's got to be three years since I've seen my mom and I owe her this. I got to come back and do this because that's in their backstory. They're really close to their family or whatever the case is. And then they take that, throw that at me and I'm like, oh, wow, this person or this group of players cares about time in, in a certain level. So I kind of amp it up and and play to that. Well, wait so a minute. Wait a minute. I, I think it finds. I think it finds a level. Well, wait, so how? Okay, so when they talk about going home because it's like winter and it's getting late, where are they in the? Where are they in the story? Because then it must be like I'm not doing anything. It must be late. I must be having to go home. Well, no, it depends on the. It depends on the story. But when this happened previously, I mean, they were in the middle of doing some investigative work within this massive city of Avalon, and uh, Zave's character, the psychotic. 16-year-old murder druid said, shit, I haven't talked to mom in a while. I got to go home. So he stops in the middle of an adventure and just comes to this epiphany. They weren't in the middle of – I mean, so again, it's not a dungeon crawl adventure. They're not going room to room to room. They're in the middle of gathering different bits of information, meeting with the different player characters, getting together different junctures, trying to sort out what was going on. He looked at – basically looked at his character's internal clock, if you will, and said, shit, I need to get home. Set his set things up, said, look, I'll be back in two days. I have to go do this thing. And he stepped out, went back home, got his ass kicked by his mom for not reporting in, blah, 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 and came back out because he snuck back out and whatnot. But that was Zave took that on himself. He wanted to do that. Great. Off you go. He wanted to do it. So I guess we're, again, I'm thinking that it finds his level. And if you as a game master hate the fact that your players don't care to ever track age and they want to be 20 years old forever – if you hate that, you need to help them get to the point where it matters. Change it in some way. One of the things he mentions are like spell effects. I know old school haste used to age a player, you know, and um, I knew a lot of guys that would ignore that. My game masters never ignored that, and uh, it got really, it got really obnoxious in a hurry. So, I mean, 
<clears throat> if it takes you five years to learn a thing or whatever or whatever that is, is I mean, again, how am I how am I? Da, 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 da. Anyway, I think you find this level, and if you really want it to be something that your players don't want it to be, you have to try to either foist it on them or work with them and find a way to help them reach some sort of a level. But there's a certain version of reality that I think everyone has to be willing to accept. They're like, look, yeah, it's unrealistic that we're 20 forever, but I don't care. I love the fact that the seasons have changed and we've gone through 16 years of cycle, but I'm still 20. I don't care. That piece of it matters nothing to us. Okay. Well, that's so that, you know, and we talk about, you know, when I brought up, when I brought up backgrounds and how the GM should dictate backgrounds, people were like, what? Sean's, Sean's lost his freaking mind. Right? It's because you were wrong. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> ha! Now so great, great. I give it to you, Brett. Ooh. Yes. Now when we're talking about age, you're going to inflict that upon the group, right? As I said, is that the GM's duty to say, like, dudes, you guys go off for like a year, your own separate ways, and you can reconvene. Everybody up your character two years. And, oh, by the way, if that takes you over a particular age threshold, make sure you adjust your abilities. My preference would be Uh to go at it and say, look, if you want to do this thing, here's what's going to happen. You take the you take the uh, you take the out of story break, if you will. Say, okay, just a second. From a game master to player's perspective, if you do this thing that you're talking about, it will take you years worth of travel. I will write up whatever happens within that year's travel. Everyone's going to age. If it hits your character by the rules and you have to take an age hit, that's what's going to happen to you. Do you still want to do that? If the players will nod and say, "God damn it, yes." Well, and it's at the it, end of that road is a fucking dragon, and he's a dead man. Okay, great, off you go. Or at the end of this road is Quandos Vorn, and we're gonna go kill him because he's there. I will fly through hyperspace. That's great. I don't think it's, I think it's legit to have that discussion instead of going surprise. You told me you did a thing, and then going whoa. If I'd have known that was repercussions, then I'd, then I'd go back. Stop that argument up front by saying, look, you do the thing you're talking about. Here's what's gonna happen. Well, they should know how long it takes to get somewhere. I mean, if they're going to travel the 500 or 1,000 miles across the continent to conquer the big, bad, evil dragon guy, well, guess what, guys? How are you going to get there? Well, we're going to walk and ride our horse. Okay, do you know that's going to take you, like, I don't know, a year and a half? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Or that, you know, maybe they don't care. Yeah, that, so what? Okay, great. year and a half goes by. You show up on the front step of the big, bad, evil guy. Please age your character appropri- appropriately. So I think that... Um, Instead of surprising people with rules, telegraph it, right? Because if it's not been a big deal before and it's something you don't think about all the time, a a volume of travel, even if like, look, we're starting at this end of the Amazon to that example. I'm going to march the 50, 60 miles through to find the hidden Nazi occult base so my Delta Green guys can can kill the the Kyrotechia there. Fine. But explain to them that I don't – if you want to do that – I'm going to have to roll for encounters, and there's a lot of different things that can happen. Someone could get sick. You could die. This could happen. Well, we just kind of wanted to blow through all that and just get to the juicy bits. Well, guys, I'm telling you that you should follow you know, so-and-so's advice and get that woman helicopter pilot to fly your asses over there because there's no other way. If you know where it is, well, we don't know where it is. Then do some other recon because otherwise, traipsing around here, you could get lost. X, Y, Z could all happen to you, and I'm not just going to hand it to you. Oh. Then again, it's not – a slap uh, of the rules on them, you're forecasting what you as the game master want to do or what, or how you want to implement the rules at that point. Does that make sense? Yeah. I need to get a, I need to get a, like uh, I got a whiteboard and I've, I started ticking off days on my whiteboard, but I haven't done it for a while, but I think that's, I think that's the best way to go. Get a, a sheet of paper, a spreadsheet, whatever you're keeping track of stuff on uh notepad and just go time. And if you carry it over from page to page, because each page is the last session, just like tick mark, you know, okay. Add it up. Well, let's see. You guys did this this day. You guys did this this day. Okay, tick, tick, tick there. And then you add them all up as you're going along. So it's been, since we started the campaign, it's been 30 days in the world of adventuring. And then when you have those gaps... Then I would, like, what are you guys doing? Oh, it's downtime or whatever you want to call it. In 5e, it's legitimately downtime. But if you say, hey, I'm going to go off and do my own thing, then just say, okay, great. How many 
how many days is the entire party going to be doing their own thing and then reconvene and see if everybody's on the same page. And then boom, you fast forward it to that, keep track of that. You're at day, you know, so I don't think it has to come down to like seconds, minutes, hours, but days I think plays a role, but I, I haven't run into that because I haven't had the fast forward movements of, Hey, you've done an adventure in game for 30 or six, six months or a year. It took you to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't Dragon, Dragonlance is a perfect example where, you know, if you want to play it out, they all were childhood friends and then they all separated and went and adventured around the world. And they then came they came back and then they came back as it for a reunion in Solace. And then, you know, so during that time, everybody's aged and then you go through <clears throat> the whole spiel and who knows how many years it took to complete the actual trilogy. I'm sure that's in there, but which which is kind of interesting. But through the end of the trilogy, no one's aged any different than they did at the beginning. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. (laughs) Are they? Yeah. Well, I mean, somebody tell tell me (laughs) how how long did it take? uh, Maybe I'm I'm off on that. How long did it take Frodo to throw the ring in the freaking mountain? I don't remember offhand. I don't. Somebody let us know, man. Uh, Gamingnbs at gmail dot com. But I think instead of there's so the reason I was mentioning having NPCs kind of uh, lay the reality you know, um, smack on the players is another way. Instead of stepping outside of the the game and saying, look, from a game master perspective, you want to do a thing, that thing is going to take you a year. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to age, so on and so forth. Is that what you want to do? Yes or no? You can have NPCs start the conversation and say, wow, you do, wow, that, that could take you two years. Boy, are you sure? You're kind of, you know, have the kid point out at, you know, or have your instructor or somebody say, boy, you'll, you'll be much older and wiser at that point. There's ways to to talk it in character if you don't want to necessarily step out and just do the GM fiat thing. We just say, look, y'all, here's what is going to happen to you if you do what you're talking about doing from a time perspective. So, yeah, well, then you start getting into, OK, Johnny took a year and a half off. Jack took two years off. Sheila took off three years well, how how the hell does that all work? I mean, does it does it have to be uniform until they get back from day from the day they split to the day they meet again? It's got to be the same across the board, right? Well, yeah. If you're gonna do something, yeah. If you're gonna do a Dragonlance type thing, where you, look, you've each got a hundred days to do something. What are you gonna do in your hundred days? I sit in my ass and drink coffee. Good for you. You're really hyper when you all get back together. What did you do? Well, I went off and I learned this, this, and this. Great, you're you're twice as wise. Or well, the here's the question that Brad may come up. Well, what if what <clears> if my, my thing that I want to do is only a year and a half, and everybody else is like, dude, I don't want to wait in a year and a half before my guy, my character gets to do something again. So what do you do then? Play ours, Magica. Like tell have, dude, we, you need to. We have, like, troop, well, we have a troop style play where you can you can step out and you can grab. Well, then you'd else. have to like say, hey, hey, Brett, you can't bring that guy back because we're gonna do it and we're playing within the next six months, and you want that next eighteen months to do X or I, Y. I want to say that that was kind of a a deterrent, either written or unwritten, in some of the old OSRE type stuff. Where like, look, you want to go research your own spells or you want to do this thing. Hey, guess what? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. That'll take your character out of the actual gameplay for five years. You're like, oh, fuck. I'm yeah. happy with Fireball. I'm not going to go learn this other thing. There you go. That, that'd take me forever. Yeah. No, I think that's another whole other aspect of time that people probably hand wavy, wavy. But yeah. I mean, I don't know how nitpicky you want to get. I think it, it, it does come down to how nitpicky you want to get. To me, the cool thing I like to do, as I said, is I change the environment around the player characters. I change how the seasons hit, the weather, the days, the nights, the holidays coming up, and that type of thing. I just check a calendar for the for the world, and that way stuff's happening. Yeah, we may miss the fact that they should have aged 10 years or 5 or even 2, but that we're willing to hand wave, but we want to keep the rest of the world spinning because that level of reality is what matters, at least to my group. I'll tell you what reality is. You want, <laughs> you want reality? You know what movie that's from? No, I don't. Platoon, man. Let's, oh, my God. The only one that kills well. Barnes is Barnes. <laughs> nice. You, yeah, you, what do you, you potheads like want reality? You want to escape reality? I'll tell you about reality. I don't know the words. Anyways. All right. Die roll? Yeah. Die roll. Clink. We talk about two to four miscellaneous points of gaming or geekery we're going to share with you. 
Yeah. All right. My first one is I found somebody on Google Plus. I cannot recall who. I want, maybe it was um, our uh, troll, Wayne Humphrey. He's a troll because he lives in the southern half of uh, Michigan, Lower Peninsula. So they live under the bridge. It's a, it's a thing. Is it really? Yeah, it is. Well, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So I think Wayne uh, might have this. And perhaps not, Wayne. If, I, if I'm razzing you here for no reason, I apologize, dude. Or maybe I don't. Anyway, <laughs> there's, a, there's a movie with Vin Diesel called The Last Witch Hunter. It looks kind of atrocious, but it's uh, I've got the YouTube link out there. But it's one of those things where Vin Diesel's a, he's an old D&D gamer, so there's something. I've got a little bit of uh, nerd appreciation for anything he does. That's kind of cool. Uh, the other one I've got is Wizards of the Coast. If you have not already seen this, they've got Dragon Plus. Um, go to Wizards. I've got the link out there, but it's an app. So Dragon Magazine is back, and that's kind of how they're attacking it. looks kind of cool. Available on iPhone only at this point. Yeah, that, that doesn't bother me. I have an iPhone. People <laughs> want to know that, though, Brad. I know. Good point. The, Good guys point. that are listening that have Androids, they're going to go over there and go, fuck, it's Son for of iPhone, a bitch. iPhone only, bat, batch. I honestly, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot it. But that I can't. Supposed I, to be coming. strike me. Supposed, it to be coming to, supposed to be coming to Android. Just strikes me as odd. Why? Why would you release that? I mean, to to a bunch of to a bunch of gaming nerds, and I mean, to not cover as many platforms as possible just seems silly from a Wizards of the Coast perspective. They've got the cash and the resources. I would assume that they should have been able to credit properly. But anyway, moving on. They probably and, um, they probably don't even make it, dude. Seriously, I'm sure they fair, got a third party doing enough. it. Yeah, fair enough. Just saying. and um, my youngest son AJ, um, he wanted to learn how to play the Duke this weekend while we were camping. So last night. Before bed, I set up the set up the game, and <laughs> Zave and I have played this game a number of different times. I love it; it's a lot of fun, as I said before. And Zave and I could bam, bam, bam. We played two, three games really quick. It plays fast, except apparently when my son and I are playing. I finally beat him after like a half an hour of one game. I'm like, oh my god, that little jerk! He just had me running all over the board. It was really tough. He had a blast playing, so that was cool. I just, um, I've said it many times. I love playing with my kids. It's a lot of fun to see them love the hobby and the different aspects of it so it's really really cool i like it let's see if i can what the dude. what are you doing Airing a surprise inspection <laughs> trying, to find, <laughs> trying to find the duke man to, all right that's enough sean what have you got hold on oh got some john wayne don't you yep oh my god Do you miss rocky mountain your tootsies god damn it i can't find it good Good. Whatever. It'd take me like two more seconds. Anyways. Pilgrim. <laughs> all right. What have you got? Die roll. The last thing. Man looks to 3D print all monsters in 5E monster manual and his plans are available for download. Man, I'm telling you, 3D printing is going to nuke the shit out of freaking Warhammer fanatics uh, in Games Workshop. It's going to nuke not the fanatics. It's going to nuke the uh, the game companies who are building. <laughs> what, what I've said that Lenny and I have talked about this many times. Like, look, what they got to do is they got to build the 3D model, sell you licensing to the model. It's good for X number of prints. Then you have to refresh it, some kind of subscription or something yep. to that. That's what you got to do. Yep. And they're not going to do it. They won't do no. it. They'll do it. They they'll wait. They will wait and wait and wait. 3D printing will come along. It'll be affordable, and they won't adapt. And then they'll be like, I don't know why we're out of business. We're going to have to kickstart a way to out of this is what we're going to have to do. Or they'll hold on to whatever they can and sue the crap out of people somehow, which they won't be able to do. They're knuckleheads. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. 3D printing 3D printing is fucking cool, and I can't wait until 3D printing becomes viable. Just so this is the reason why. I mean, I bought an iPad because I wanted it for gaming. I want a 3D printer so I can print out some goddamn monsters. That's what I want. Really? Yeah. You want to use minis? Is that just, so 19, uh, they're isn't fun. That 2005? They're fun. Anyway, go on. What else have you got? 13th Age has its own organized play, which I did not know. Shit, I didn't know that either. So the people that are listening to this that know 13th Age are like, no shit, dumbass. But I'm like, hey, if you didn't know and you're exploring 13th Age, they have organized play. And who knows, maybe you go to con and sign up and you can sit down and make your own 13th age person character and play in an organized play. And if you're not familiar with organized play, 
Uh, maybe we'll do something on that. But there's plenty of podcasts that have covered organized play. So if you haven't, if anyone, if anyone's playing this version of organized play, that'd be really cool to hear what they think. You know, about I, it. I would be interested to find out how they stack up against. Like if if you are playing in 13th age organized play, I would be interested in your feedback. If you've played in Pathfinder's organized play, Pathfinder Society, or even D and D's, well, I wouldn't, or Encounters, meh. But even just like the Living Greyhawk times. And how they all kind of stack against each other. Because I'll tell you what, Pathfinder Society, while you have to pay like two or three bucks an adventure, I think the quality is better than than the old Living Greyhawk stuff that was done for free to people. But then you got what you paid for. I don't think the editing was as good and crisp and um, done Well, RPGA did Raven's Bluff as well back in the day when it was Forgotten Realmsy stuff. But yeah, you're right. I, did, I have heard that one of the biggest draws to the Pathfinder stuff was the quality. Really, really nicely done. Yeah, it cost a couple bucks, but it was always nice. Yeah, huh. yeah people are paying for it, man. You just Sweet. put a price on it and it's a whole other ballgame. Cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's it. So if you've enjoyed our podcast... Do us a favor, go to iTunes and leave us a review. That'd be greatly appreciated. If you have comments uh, about any of the episode, um, feel free to leave it at gamingnbs.com forward slash zero three four. Or you could go to Google Plus, Twitter, Facebook. Brett, yeah. any, any last words from you, Brett? If anybody's got a better or different way that you guys organize time in your games, let us know. It'd be cool to hear about it. Yeah. I think that's it. Time is on my side. Let us know how you handle time. Sweet. I am one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all. <laughs>